the First Impressions Podcast, and we are here to do a mini-pod because we are stuck at home inside all day long, and we are very desirous of talking to one another. Um, so here I am, joined by Maggie. Hello, I'm going Ooh. insane. <laughs> Maggie's going insane. Maggie is the ultimate extrovert. This is very difficult for me right now. <laughs> so much alone time. I shout at folks on the street. <laughs> I halloo at people on the street from my window. And you just moved into the neighborhood, so everyone thinks you're the insane person now. Like the, uh, the crazy lady. <laughs> but we did meet a bunch of the neighbors. We did one of those driveway happy hour things where people, we all stayed kind of in our own area, but still talked and introduced ourselves. And we're, we actually moved into and are buying my dad's old house. And he lived here for over 20 years with my stepmom. So the neighbors actually know me, at least by sight. So and they, you, they like your signs. You should tell everybody about the signs. Oh, yes, I do like my signs. So in my desperation to have some form of contact with the outside world at large, I have, and I obviously have a lot of cardboard right now because we just moved. I have started posting a piece of cardboard with a message written on it every day in our front yard. Uh, sometimes they're motivational, like separately together, or we can do this, you know, stuff like that. Or sometimes they're funny, the one, because it's April Fool's Day, the one today says, you're doing a great job, no fooling. <laughs> okay, okay. So guys, so this is exciting. So you may remember when we reviewed The Making of Jane Austen, we talked about Rosina Filippi and the duologues that she arranged and put together, which are scenes from Jane Austen books. And we got a copy of this book. It's free in electronic format from the Internet Archive. And so we thought we would do a dramatic reading for you. And we have picked this, um, this scene between Harriet Smith and Emma, where Harriet has come to burn her precious treasures. It's going to be good. So and we I'm have no to... idea how this is going to go. We haven't practiced. Oh, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, it's going to be a disaster for your entertainment. We have not practiced. I, I have not read this election yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the book is amazing. You can scroll through the whole thing on Google. It's available for free from the Harvard collection. The front, the introduction page has this amazing print on it. And it says, Duologues and scenes from the novels of Jane Austen, arranged and adapted for drawing room performance. Kristen yeah. made me promise to read it. And that's silly yes. voice. Yes, it's amazing. It's, um, it's actually not fully available from Google Books. You have to go to this uh, internet site called The Internet Archive, and it's available in The Internet Archive, and that's where I found it. Honestly, I found it by Googling Duologues Rosina Filippi ebook, and it was like the third hit that came up from The Internet Archive. So, And um, I actually bought a, a paper copy, but I don't know where it is <laughs> in the house <laughs> that we just moved into. <laughs> My books have ended up in three different locations Okay, so Kristen, you are playing Emma. I am. And Maggie, you are playing, playing Harriet Smith. The great intellectual. And there are some asides in this. So, like, if Emma is speaking as an aside to the audience, I'll just, like, sort of lower my voice so you'll know that that's an aside. I don't think Harriet has any asides. I don't I think so. Harriet, like me, has the thought and expresses it, which is part of her charm. Okay. Should we get started? I believe uh, we should. Okay, give me a second to get into character here. <sighs> Roll your shoulders back. My vocal exercises. Red leather, red yellow leather, leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. 
you know you need unique New York. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we will be starting now. When I next speak, I will be Harriet Smith. Miss Woodhouse, are you within? Will you see me? Harriet. Yes, yes. Pray come in. You know I am always glad to see you, Harriet. Miss Woodhouse, dear Miss Woodhouse, you are always good to me, a great deal too good, but if you are at leisure, I have something that I should like to tell you, a sort of confession to make, and then you know it will be over. It is my duty, and I am sure it is my wish, to have no reserves with you on this subject, as I am, happily, quite an altered creature in one respect. It is very fit that you should have the satisfaction of knowing it. I do not want to say more than is necessary. I'm too ashamed of having given way as I have done, and I dare say you understand me. I think I do, my poor Harriet. I hope I do. But it is all my fault, all my fault. Miss Woodhouse, do not say such a thing. How could I so long a time be fancying myself? It seems like madness. I can see nothing at all extraordinary in him now. I do not care whether I meet him or not, except that of the two, I had rather not see him. And indeed, I would go any distance round to avoid him. But I do not envy Mrs. Elton in the least. She is very charming, I dare say, and all that. But I think her very ill-tempered and disagreeable. However, I assure you, Miss Woodhouse, I wish her no evil. No, let them be ever so happy together. It will not give me another moment's pang. And to convince you that I have been speaking truth, I am now going to destroy what I ought to have destroyed long ago, what I ought never to have kept. I know that very well. However, now I will destroy it all, and it is my particular wish to do it in your presence that you may see how rational I have grown. Can you not guess what this parcel holds? Not the least in the world. Did he ever give you anything? No, I cannot call them gifts, but they are things I have valued very much. Most precious treasures. Harriet, are you sure you would wish me to see these treasures? Yes, please, dear Miss Woodhouse. A piece of court plaster. Now you must recollect. No, indeed, I do not. Dear me, I should not have thought it possible you could forget what passed in this very room about court plaster, one of the very last times we ever met in it. It was a very few days before I had my sore throat, I think the very evening before. Do not you remember his cutting his finger with your new penknife and your recommending court plaster? But as you had none about you and I knew I had, you desired me to supply him. So I took mine out and cut him a piece, but in my agitation I cut it a great deal too large, and he had to make it smaller, and kept playing some time with what was left before he gave it back to me. And so then, in my nonsense, I could not help making a treasure of it. So I put it by, never to be used, and looked at it now and then as a great treat. My dearest Harriet, you make me more ashamed of myself than I can bear. Remember it, I, I remember it all now, except you're saving this relic. I knew nothing of that till this moment. But the cutting the finger and my recommending court plaster and saying I had none about me. Oh, my sins, my sins. And I had plenty all the while in my pocket. One of my senseless tricks. I deserve to be under a continual blush all the rest of my life. Well, go on, what else? And had you really some at hand yourself? I'm sure I never suspected it. You did it so naturally. And so you actually put this piece of court plaster by for his sake. Lord, bless me. When should I ever have thought of putting by in cotton a piece of court plaster that anybody had been fingering? I shall never be equal to this. 
There is something still more valuable, I mean, that has been more valuable, because it is what did really once belong to him, which the court plaster never did. It is in the same box wrapped up in another piece of silver paper. I am quite anxious to see this superior treasure, Harriet. What is it? The end of an old pencil, the part without any lead. What is this, Harriet? That was really his. Do not you remember one morning? No, I dare say you do not. But one morning, I forget exactly the day, but perhaps it was the Wednesday or Tuesday before that evening. He wanted to make a memorandum in his pocketbook. It was about spruce beer. Mr. Knightley had been telling him something about brewing spruce beer, and he wanted to put it down. But when he took out his pencil, there was so little lead that he soon cut it all away, and it would not do. So you lent him another, and this was left upon the table as good for nothing. But I kept my eye on it, and as soon as I dared, caught it up, and never parted with it again from that moment. I do remember. I perfectly remember it. Talking of spruce beer. Oh, yes, Mr. Knightley and I both saying we liked it. And Mr. Elton seeming resolved to learn to like it, too. I perfectly remember it. Stop. Mr. Knightley was standing just here, was not he? I have an idea he was standing just here. I do not know. I cannot recollect. It is very odd, but I cannot recollect where Mr. Knightley was standing. Mr. Elton was sitting here, I remember, much about where I am. Well, go on. Oh, that is all. I have nothing more to show you or to say, except that I am now going to throw them both behind the fire, and I wish you to see me do it. My poor dear Harriet, and have you actually found happiness in treasuring up these things? Yes, simpleton as I was, but I am quite ashamed of it now, and wish I could forget as easily as I can burn them. It was so wrong of me, you know, to keep any remembrance after he was married, and when I had conceived so deep, so reverential a regard for another— I knew it was, but I had not resolution enough to part with them. But, Harriet, is it necessary to burn the court plaster? I have not a word to say for the bit of old used pencil, but the court plaster might be useful. I shall be happier to burn it. It has a disagreeable look to me. I must get rid of everything. I must not keep it now. It is not right towards him who is so superior in every way, so infinitely superior. These are no longer treasures. There they go. And there is an end, thank heaven, of Mr. Elton. I feel happier now, much happier. But, oh, Miss Woodhouse, is not this the oddest news that ever was? And scene. So we will end there and leave you on tender hooks as to what Harriet was <laughs> referencing. You're so good. I, Maggie, I knew you'd be so good at this. You're so, you're so good. I love it. Oh, this. you're so sweet. I mean, I'm just like reading as fast as I can and hoping I don't mispronounce anything. Yeah, no, you you did an amazing job with your intonations and the like, the acting and everything. I loved it. It really makes you see the text with fresh eyes when you're reading it out loud. Oh, it's so it's very hard to make it sound natural, and I don't not just be. I mean, that's not that the way they spoke is so antiquated or anything like that. It's just so difficult when you're just reading something to not sound like you're reading something, you know. It's the it's the fallacy of every like young actor. It's like when you're when you're feeling more, you like sort of take a quicker breath and you speak higher and more agitated in a way that like a normal person would not speak. So I I definitely know that I'm I'm not great at reading things out loud. I when I hear myself, I'm like, oh, I should have said that differently. Oh, I should have interpreted that differently. So I'm very much in my own head. But I knew you would be good at it. Oh, I thought you were great. Are we going to include all of our self-flagellation in the episode? <laughs> Probably. 
<laughs> we want everyone to know how insecure we are. That's sort of what the podcast is all about. It's all about self-validation. <laughs> <laughs> we were awesome. I am awesome. I thought that was really cute. I wanted to keep yeah. going. That would be fun. <laughs> we'll just keep reading. We should just like do a couple pages every day. <laughs> you can post them That's and cute. everybody can enjoy. Well, everyone, we hope that you are okay, both physically and mentally, wherever you are. This is something that's affecting everyone across the world at this point. So I guess at least we're in it together. I don't know. But we hope that you're all healthy and your family members are healthy. And when this is over, I'm going to hug everybody so hard. I know, right? You're just going to get up in everybody's face. I mean, that's probably not a good strategy. <laughs> no, I feel better. Thank you for talking to me, Kristen. Oh, good. Of course. Even introverts, I'm sure that you feel the need to talk to someone other than Kevin every so often. And the dogs. Oh, yeah. No, I do. I do. So thank you for doing this. This was really cute. Oh, Kristen. And um, is your family in good health? Uh, my family is in good health. Is your family in good health? Oh, they're all in excellent health. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, we're sending you our healthy vibes, our social distancing, our separately but together vibes. Absolutely. So stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. We have delighted you long enough for now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>